is the number one commodity in the world that you can't get back once it's gone. Time. So I will keep this brief. I'm Muthita Panmuk, a time efficiency expert and a business operations strategist, who is as known as the Time Queen. Welcome to my Get Unstuck Radio. Running a business can be very overwhelming at times, especially in the first few years when you are required to wear the hats and do other things. You started your company because you had a vision that almost every business owner has when they begin. You wanted freedom, true freedom. So you are in the right place to help you build and grow your business that support your lifestyle. Not the other way around. Without further ado, let's get unstuck. Hi everyone. So today I have very lovely friends right here. Um, Lisa Q. Gore. She is a holistic nutritionist, educator, and also an author. She helps people heal from diverse and complex health issues. Don't forget to check her book about undieting that was released in October 2020. So. Actually, about right now that we are recording. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yeah. So I prepare your interview. I was watching your TED talk and also checking your website, and I'm very interested to know more about what you do, actually. So I'm a registered holistic nutritionist, and a lot of times when you meet a nutritionist, you kind of expect that they're going to tell you what to eat. And I kind of work in a different way. I work with who you are, what you're feeling, and your habits. And out of that comes a healthy way of eating. And um, I find that this approach of undieting, of not using a set diet, allows you to really embrace who you are and what your body needs. But it's also Freedom, because everything is allowed. You can have chocolate cake if you want to have chocolate cake. It's all about enjoyment and pleasure and easy, easy steps, so you can actually incorporate this into your life forever and not be on something that eventually, you know, you're going to fall off of because you're human, and that's what happens. Uh huh. And what inspired you to become a nutritionist at the very first place? Oh, I was actually my own health journey. So in the early 2000s, I was just leaving university, and I was in a very, um, very competitive music performance um, uh, program. And in that time, I got incredibly tired, and I was I got incredibly sick and incredibly inflamed. And by the time I left, I had shooting pain down both my arms. I had tendonitis in both my thumbs. I had trouble breathing. I had uncontrolled asthma, and I was. So tired and so foggy and so unwell. I forget what day of the week it was, where I was going, and I went from doctor after doctor after doctor, and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. But nobody asked me what I ate. And that's what I find so ironic because I ate garbage. I ate Fruit Loops and um, sweetened peanut butter and just like sugar, 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 sugar all the time. And when I left school, I got a job, and I, and this job happened to be in the wellness industry, and it was for a company that makes a whole food supplement. And that was my first introduction to what happens when you feed your body. And within about two weeks of taking this, I hadn't made any dietary changes. My brain turned back on, and I could think again. 
nutrition. And my job was in customer service. My job was to learn about nutrition. So that's what I did. And over the course of many years, I slowly changed my diet and I developed a love of helping people. And as I moved into different jobs in that company, I really missed being customer service and talking to people and hearing about their story and hearing about their life. So that's what put me back into school um, for holistic nutrition. And I did that in the late uh, like 2006, 2007. And I've been working as a full-time holistic nutritionist since 2008. That's awesome. Actually, I explained the same thing as you. Yeah, I went to many doctors to get those issues solved about tiredness. And I had like a very bad insomnia like three years ago. And yeah, they never asked me about what I'm eating for you. Even though I'm tired, like our food is quite variety, but I don't know. I think, yeah, but it's, the sweetness comes first of the taste. So I, I understand what you mean. So in majority, when like people come to you in terms of like, how can you help them improve their nutritionist? What is the biggest problem that you find? Well, the first thing that I find is that they come feeling really guilty um, that, oh, you're going to ask me about evening eating because I, I, I can't control myself in the evenings or all I want is chocolate all the time. And I don't see those as weaknesses. Um, I don't see those as things to feel guilty about. Those are actually symptoms. They're symptoms that things just aren't working right now, that things are out of balance. Because when, our, when your habits are out of balance or if you're denying yourself of certain foods, like if you say no to carbohydrates all the time because they're out of style right now, then you're gonna crave sugar and sweets all the time, especially in the evening. So when somebody comes to me and said, this is, this is the thing I'm the most guilty about, or I feel the most guilty about, then I just kind of turn it around and find the underlying cause of it. Because when we are feeding and fueling ourselves in a really balanced way, our cravings change to vegetables and fruit and healthy food. And we have the energy to do this. But when you're really, really stuck in old patterns, it can be, it seems so overwhelming to even make the smallest little change that um, it, you can get just get stuck there staring at this like I need to do a whole dietary over overhaul and the truth is is that sometimes eating an apple around 3 or 4 p.m. makes such a difference to your whole day that suddenly now you can make dinner because you ate an apple it seems so simple and because you make it a good dinner you're not craving food all night and because you're not craving food all night you sleep well and then you wake up in the morning and you want to eat like it's 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 amazing how just small little tweaks can make this an enormous difference and then your body does the rest your body guides you to the rest mm -hmm. yeah that's very interesting so where the craving came from actually so the cravings, and, I, and in my book, I have a whole chapter on cravings. Um, the cravings are usually from an imbalance of some sort. So things like chocolate, dark chocolate and, and chocolate in general is an incredibly common craving. And that is actually frequently a craving for the mineral magnesium. And when we don't have enough magnesium, our body is looking for the easiest source. And chocolate just happens to be really high in magnesium. And so when we can embrace these cravings and say, oh, what is my body looking for here? then we can um, 
find balance a lot easier. So things like evening cravings are a sign that you didn't eat enough through the day usually, or you were denying yourself a certain kind of food all day and your body just takes over at night because you're tired and you relax. And now your body's like, now I'm going to get those potato chips I've been wanting all day. Or now you're going to feed me some food because you've been starving me all day, or you forgot to eat all day. And so what I love about cravings is one of the, one of the most important questions I ask a new client is it tells me so much about what their body wants and what their body needs and is looking for. And when we can embrace them instead of denying them, then change doesn't need any willpower. Change comes really easily because you're embracing who you are and the, the beautiful body that you have. Yeah. I am a full believer that we have to starting from what we prefer first, then we change the rest of our ecosystem. And yeah. And yeah, totally. That's, that's been crazy though, until like, I, I think it's take courage to aware, like self-aware. That is something important that to feel accepted and ask for help, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it can be a really hard step. And so that first time I meet with someone, I, I, I also embrace their courage for coming in the first place. It can be really scary to sit in a room or even just sit on Zoom talking to a nutritionist about something as personal and emotionally attached as food. And so I want to make sure that I meet them where they are and help them where they're at. And if you've been dieting your whole life, you're, you're so used to ignoring your body's cravings, what your body is is asking for that sometimes that's the process of just awakening those those signals and that's okay we can, we can learn this at any time we just need to kind of be where we are and embrace the courage that it took to make this first change in the first place yeah exactly what about I, I have a lot of questions about this so me personally I have a lot of allergy about food like I have to keep noticing whatever I eat that I feel uncomfortable. For example, I cannot really eat sweet potato. This is make me feel like, un yeah, it's been sad about that. But it's made me feel uncomfortable, you know. I got bloated because of that. And gluten, of course, and also lactose. Like, these things are like, that was the beginning of the year. This year, I mean, this is, we recording this in 2020. I ate a pie of like cookie and cream ice cream. And I couldn't sleep for two weeks. Like, seriously. Wow. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and food. I complain about that every day. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. So food sensitivities can really affect you on a day-to-day -day basis. And sometimes it can feel really overwhelming to try to like, try to not eat cookies and cream ice cream forever. Um, when I was, when I was back in university and really unwell, I realized that dairy was triggering a lot of my asthma uh, reactions. Even though my doctor denied it, I knew when I had dairy, I couldn't breathe. And so I went off dairy for four months, but I didn't know what I was doing and I was miserable. And I... I had trouble making every meal, I had trouble going grocery shopping, and then I found at, when at, I did a big recital, so I, I did this big, th this big thing I was working towards, and then after that, I started eating dairy again, and I couldn't stop because I felt so deprived, and I binged on dairy, which means I had dairy three to five times a day 
for four years, even though I knew all of the problems it was causing, but it just felt so overwhelming to even consider removing it again because I was so miserable. What I do with clients and what I did with myself is, is once I, the first step is learning when I have dairy, this is what happens. When you have cookies and cream, ice cream, this is what happens. Then the next stage is finding replacements that are just as, as, enjoyable as um, the, what, what, you, what you don't want to eat. So for me, I spent six months finding replacements for dairy in my diet that I, that I enjoyed so much I didn't miss it. And then anytime I really wanted dairy, I had it knowing this is how I'm going to feel afterwards. So I did it with my eyes open. I, I fully embraced that when I had dairy, I'm probably going to, my skin's going to break out and I'm going to be bloated. And, and these are the things that are going to happen. And I'm an adult and I can choose and I'm going to have it. And I found that by embracing this more positive feedback loop, it made dairy less powerful. And now this is 15 years later, I have it, I still have it whenever I want it. But most of the time, it's barely in my life because I don't have those cravings because I can put avocado on my sandwich instead. And I like that just as much. And I have all of these replacements that makes it so I never feel deprived of dairy. And that's where the power of undieting really comes where you don't ever feel deprived of, of something. So you mentioned about to, to add more of the plant-based thingy, like um, vegetable or fruits into the diet more. Um, anyone have feeling ever like craving those fruit and vegetable before? Like, well, they, it happens. So, so one of the things that I do is I'm, I'm a full believer of adding before you subtract. So, so say you think, okay, I need to reduce this sugar in my diet. Before we touch that, we add a bunch of healthy food and then, then you just stop eating as much sugar. And what I find, and I see this over and over and over again, is that when you start adding these foods, your body starts getting really attached to them and you start craving them. So for me, that first whole food supplement that I took 20 years ago was a really green supplement. And to this day, I crave green things because my body attached itself to this is what's good for me is green things. And, and for, uh, uh, 30 years ago, I would never have touched anything green. I thought broccoli tasted like dirt. And what happens when, when you add these foods and you stay open and aware of how you feel when you eat them, you miss them when they're gone. So I notice this with a lot of clients about a month to two months into our work is that if they say go away for a weekend or they have a party or they just eat a bunch of junk food one weekend, they come in dripping with guilt saying, oh, I can't believe I did this. You're going to be, be so disappointed in me. And my answer is always, so what, what are you looking for right now? What are you craving? And their answer is always, man, all I want is a salad or I want to make a big stir fry. And I never, ever thought I'd crave vegetables, but I'm totally craving them. And that is a natural part of this process. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a big difference though. That's very interesting. Yeah. It's I, the power of yes versus no. It's the saying, yeah, adding food in, but also never saying no to something. That's what allows this process of actually craving the healthy food. So actually let the body adapt to what you prefer. Oh, okay. Yeah. And because you're not saying no to cookies and cakes and all of those foods, they're not getting power. You're not feeling deprived of them. You're not, fe they're not, they get powerful every time you say no. Instead, it can be a choice. It's like, you know what? I'm going to have an apple before I have that cookie. And you might find you forget about the cookie, but that cookie has no power over you because you've made a choice. It's, it's really incredible. And I never, before I did this myself, I never expected to crave sugar as little as I do today.
Mm, that's why cheat meal or like cheat day doesn't work, right? Yeah. Because yeah, the- because they get powerful because you've called them a cheat day. It's like this is the day I can eat whatever I want. It's like no, every day you can eat whatever you want. You're an adult. Just like have everything be on the table, but be aware of how you feel when you eat it. And you'll notice really quickly how much better you feel when you gravitate to these foods. But I can have chocolate cake every single day if I wanted to, but I so rarely have it because I can have it anytime I want. There's no power behind it. And I don't feel good if I have it every day. That's it. Mm-hmm. You don't- oh yeah, that's a- it's about mindset. It's about the way you, you see it and then prioritize the the thing that's good for you and also make you feel good like those green stuff and also variety of color things oh yeah yeah Yeah. and this is food freedom that's how you walk away from all of the constraints of the dieting world and actually just have freedom in it but it's also easy so it's something you can do when you have a busy life when you have other thing other priorities undieting isn't something that takes over your life it, it instead gives you life it gives you freedom mm-hmm. i think you mentioned about um bacteria imbalance and also the mental um disorder that is could be related can you talk about it a little bit Sure. So in my TEDx talk, um, it was recorded in 2015, and it's about the gut-brain connection. And it's how our gut bacteria, otherwise known as our microbiome, affects how our mind works. So back 20 years ago, when my diet was atrocious, my gut was also atrocious. And that played a huge role in the fogginess and the tiredness and the depression that I was dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And while the research is really, really new and really, really early, we are seeing definite connections between an imbalance in the gut and mental health issues like depression and anxiety. And uh, they're seeing it in the neurotransmitters. Um, Our gut mirrors our brain and things like serotonin and dopamine. And actually, most of that is actually made in our gut. So as if you're, if you have a gut bacteria imbalance, then that can lead to so many other imbalances, including your immune system and your metabolism, but, but most importantly, your brain. Um, I have a whole chapter on the gut in my book, including the gut brain connection, um, because it's a, it's a love affair of mine, the gut brain connection. But what's really cool is how early this research is and the new stuff that's coming up, like, Um, a connection between Parkinson's disease and our gut bacteria. And there's early research with Alzheimer's that's just still inconclusive at this point. But if we watch this for the next five to 10 years, we're going to start seeing mental health issues being worked on in the gut because they're so connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I personally had taken the medicines for like three years and it's actually not really changed the way I feel until I stopped eating those things. I mean, seriously, that is crazy enough. So my parents were saying like, oh my gosh, what the doctors have done to me, you know, I wasted like three years unknowing that it's actually what I eat. And Mm. yeah, I mean, how, how can people realize earlier from your experience about these um, bacteria imbalance or like the food imbalance in general that they should take a look at it. It's, uh, this is where we kind of have a lot of power because I, like you, doctors couldn't figure it out what their treatment was, wasn't working. And it wasn't until I started taking a look at what am I eating that big change started to happen. And it makes sense. While mainstream medicine hasn't embraced this yet, 
but every single cell in our body is made from the food that we eat. And so if we have nutritional deficiencies, if we're missing certain things in our diet, it just makes sense that our body can't work properly. And we don't know the full ramifications of what that might be until we try to eat a little bit better. And um, adding, and the best part is, is that every single new food you add, every single little extra thing you do that's, that's, uh, adding a whole food or a, a fruit or a veggie to your diet, your body will say yay and give you a cheer. So you, you might, might it be as simple as you're eating an apple every day. That alone can change your energy. And that might be, oh, I'm going to start making vegetables as a part of my dinner. That alone can make a difference. And so you don't need to go on anything dramatic to feel the differences. It can be these first few steps. But like you saw yourself, like it can make a huge difference in how you feel, how you think, your emotional, your mental state, everything. Yeah. In case anyone listening to this, and I, I just want to put disclaimer out there. Feeling depressed and depression are different. <laughs> Feeling anxious and having anxiety are different. So consult your doctor about that. But my question relates to, um, I believe that having a nutritionist who can help you work through this um, food adjustment journey so that you can feel better about yourself could stabilize those feelings. And it could improve the productivity as well. So. What do you think on that? I, I totally agree with you, both with your disclaimer and that that this can help. Um, we also want to be embracing um, therapy and counseling and all of the other help that we need when we're dealing with mental health issues. What I find food does is it takes the edge off things frequently. So it kind of calms down the feelings. But the real work is in the, that personal work. And that's where we're going to get the best results for mental health issues. I just like that. I know how to eat in a way that my mood comes up a bit because I tend towards feeling depressed. Um, and when I eat well, I can feel less depressed. Um, and, and when I'm feeling anxious, I can calm that down as well. Um, but yeah, it's it, like you said, it's not this perfect answer and it's not a, a replacement of other, other ways, but it can really help. Yeah. So let's talk about entrepreneur people who are listening here. Um, I personally, for my laziness, I am right now I'm at the point where I'm so lazy cooking. So because of the the thing that I limit myself not to eat, I have to change my mindset on that. After I finish interviewing you, I'm gonna like change the way I think about food. But I hire a chef to to make food for me because I think that to think that what I'm gonna eat within the day is quite taking so much time. Because <laughs> there are too many choices to like go through right so i just hire a chef and then they just make for me like those gluten-free lactose-free um that's already limit many things regarding to time food <laughs> <laughs> so how i live right now yeah but mm -hmm. um would you suggest to do what i'm doing currently so that i'll source this food making and stuff 
Absolutely. Always outsourcing anytime you can. It's, it, I'm an entrepreneur as well, and I would love to outsource cooking. As much as I love food and eating, I also, I don't, I don't, I'm not a chef. And so I'd much rather have somebody who does that for, for a living. But no matter where you are in your, because I'm an entrepreneur as well, and I find what I eat makes or breaks how my work day goes. Mm. So my, and breakfast and lunch being the most important too. So uh, I'm a big breakfast eater. You don't have to be a breakfast eater it's okay if you don't like it but having one that keeps you balanced for three to four hours even five hours that keeps you feeling full and feeling good that's a big deal and then lunch you got to find a lunch that works for you so you can power through the afternoon um, otherwise like if my lunch doesn't work for me it's I, I'm 3 4 p.m. I'm done and as an entrepreneur that doesn't necessarily work with my ability to grow my business. And so it's for me to be able to think clearly and do what I'm doing. My priority has to be on what am I feeding myself as well, because I can't be eating a bunch of refined food and still think as sharply as I'd like to. Do we have to eat three meals a day? I'm, I'm tend to do right now. It's like, I just eat whenever I feel hungry. So I'm not even sure that that's correct or not, but, I couldn't eat it too close, the window too close between each other. Like it's going to be like breakfast and then almost dinner for me. And that's how I living currently. What well, that's where we have to find our own balance. So I don't believe everybody needs three meals a day. Um, and I, I, but I, what I do is use your symptoms as a guide is, is this working for you? So recently I was working with a woman who has a really busy day and she eats breakfast most days. And then she snacks a couple times in the afternoon because that's all she has time for but it's usually out of desperation it's like i'm starving so i'm let me eat these crackers and then she eats dinner and she's tired she's not sleeping well she's eat, she, her, she has tons of cravings every evening but in her day having a proper lunch also didn't work and so what we did was we put in two snacks um one snack a lot earlier than what she's eating now so something closer to 12 or 1 and then a late afternoon snack and that allows her brain to turn on and stay going um, because what the the downfall with waiting too long before between um, meals is that now you're using cortisol to get your blood sugar up and that is draining on the body and so over time that can lead to adrenal fatigue and other types of exhaustion and burnout and we can't afford that as entrepreneurs at all and so for you what I'd say is just experiment you may not need um, a lunch meal it's good for your digestion to have a lot of space between meals, but maybe get throw a snack in like five hours after, after breakfast, just to keep that power going. And notice if you are hungry all evening, that maybe that's a sign that you, that putting some more food earlier in the day when you can use it would work. But if, if you eat dinner and you're satisfied and happy, then you probably just need to throw like a piece of fruit middle midday and you're good to go. Yeah. Here, here's the thing that I discover, especially when I travel a lot and I have to adjust the time zone. I kind of like, so I can start my day with having breakfast, like tell my body that this is the morning right now, just to like get things started. But then the later that time zone difference, I actually push my dinner even further. Like it could be really late at night, like 10 p.m. And I'm not feel good about that actually. Yeah, but seems like, have you ever came across any like digital nomad or those traveler who like travel a lot and their body is somehow confused? Like what time is it right now? 
Absolutely. And, and I, I, I've traveled a lot myself, mostly within a couple's time zone. So not a huge time zone difference like what your travels are. Um, but when our bodies easily get confused and it can take days to adjust to even just one hour time difference. And so one of the ways to, um, to work that, that I find kind of works is to be in the time zone that you're in. And so when like this faster you personally adjust to the time zone, the faster your body will adjust to the time zone, mm -hmm. which means yes, eat breakfast at the breakfast time. I love that part, but now you're eating dinner at the old dinner time. <laughs> and so that throwing the food earlier will help your body just find that adjustment. Um, using herb, herbal adaptogens like ashwagandha and rhodiola can help your body adapt to those times, different differences as well. Um, there's different herbs that literally help with those kind of changes and they can be helpful to just shift it a bit faster. But I find for myself, the, the easiest way is to, when I adjust time zones, to fully adjust. This is how I'm living. And then when I come back, I come back to the new one. And yeah, it's not perfect, but it, it does get me on back on track within a day or two. Yeah. So my, my tips, I'm not sure it's my tips or not, but this is how I do. So I like living as if I already travel there. So I live in that particular time zone before I travel. So I avoid packing. Oh. And also, I try to avoid these, like, not eating thing, because, like, I'm going to be starving, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. So that's that's what I have been doing. Somehow it's working, but it's not perfect, as you say. But not not for every time zone. It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> and the bigger your time zone change, the harder that is. Like, it is hard yeah. on the body to change big time zones. Yeah, I mean, you would be surprised. I mean, I always surprise, because, like, right now, I'm, like, 12 hours ahead of you about and I could still 12 more hours because right now he's already Friday but you still Thursday right um, <laughs> I actually have more time to like uh -huh. improve my work and also still able to meet the deadline for my clients mm -hmm. and that's kind of always surprised me people always say that you can have like happy new year's two times like from the ATSI <laughs> and then travel to the eastern so like that's work yeah that's always fun yeah anyway um in case anyone want to um work with you or reach out to you how can they contact you then so you can find me on my website lisakilgore.com and my last name is k-i-l-g-o-u-r and on my website has a bunch of stuff blog posts ways to work with me personally but if you go to lisakilgore.com forward slash freebie i have a, a beginner's guide to undieting called five ways to eat what you want and you can get that guide and you get this these the the beginning stages of undieting of what to do first and they're really good changes they they're easy ones but they're really really effective so that is lisakilgore.com forward slash freebie. The link is already in the description below, everyone. So stay tuned for um, your change in terms of diet for the rest of your life. I mean, this is going to be the change for the better. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I really loved being on, on your show today. Thank you. hope this episode inspire you to get unstuck wherever you are in your journey so that you can have your business that support your lifestyle. Get a show notes at helpyougetunstuck.com today. Start implementing what you have learned. The results of your consistent effort and improvement are worth it because you deserve the freedom to enjoy your life. Speak to you next time and don't forget to get unstuck.